Hi. Good morning. It's great to be with you today. I, I sure appreciate the opportunity to gather together in, in God's name, in the name of Jesus, to, to not only be able to sing and proclaim his goodness, but also to, to hear a message from his word. So, so thank you for being here. I don't believe that it's by coincidence or accident, but I believe that the, the Holy Spirit, who we've been talking about for the last several weeks, is who draws us into these gatherings with one another for a, a specific purpose. So my prayer is that today we, we understand what that purpose is. Uh, now, for those of you that don't know, I spent a lot of my adult life running away from a call to ministry. I mean, I tried to do a lot of different careers, but one of the things, uh, more, I would say, more aggressive things I did was start a business. Anybody that started a business knows all the things that go along with that. And so there's this huge learning curve, and, but in addition... It was not just any business, it was a construction business. And for those of you that know me a little bit better than maybe others, you should know I have no business being in construction. I can barely change a light bulb. But I did more of the business side of it while other people did the, otherwise we would have been out of business, I gotta be honest with you. But one of the things was they, they assigned me, uh, my, my partners, they said, hey, we need you to go get this trailer and then move it to this job site. No problem. I'm right on it. So I got out there. Now, if you've ever hooked a trailer up to the back of a truck, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and so I, I got it on there and I cranked the little crank down. It looks from all, all signs, it appeared to be connected. Okay. I mean, matter of fact, I was looking at a thing and nobody has ever connected a trailer as well as this has been connected. This is just unbelievable. I take a picture of it. But Matter of fact, I was so confident that I thought, well, what are these safety chains? Why even, why do I don't even need these chains? I did put them on. Uh, so I fixed them on there and everything was going. But as I'm driving down the road, still very proud of myself, I took a left turn and the trailer kept going straight. Now, because the chain was there, thank God, uh, I, you know, it's a split second when I turned, I look in the rearview mirror, I see the trailer doing one of these, and then it, the safety chain grabbed me, slid the trailer around, and so, you know, it's kind of like, did anybody see that? But the point is that there was a connection problem. We had a connection problem. And in this day and age, you might, maybe you don't have a trailer story, but I bet you have a connection problem story because we have these issues over and over again. It, we're told anyway that, that we live in, in a more connected environment now than we ever have lived in before. And of course, that's true in a certain sense. But, but what type of connection are we talking about? Because when it comes to connection problems, all most people are talking about is, I really, I got to get connected to the internet. Got to get connected. I either, either I, it's all about, I need to get connected or I need to stay connected. But whatever it is, if you want to see people freak out, just cut the Wi-Fi, cut the internet. People go insane. Instantly, there's outrage. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't get connected. I can't stay connected. What are we connecting to? Because the more digitally connected we are, the more, it, I don't think this is a surprise, the more relationally we seem to be disconnected. Now, these things are not independent. They go together, and it, it reveals this deep truth in us that seems to be that we have a basic human desire, a basic human need that's hardwired into us for connection. 
We want to be connected to something bigger than ourselves. But at the very same time, our tendency is to connect to all the wrong things. And what do I mean by the wrong things? I mean things that, that might appear, at least on the surface, as good or harmless or a way to fill some time or whatever. But very slowly and without us really even realizing it, it starts to take over and we start to become more and more connected to the wrong things. We get, we get connected to things that, that isolate us. We get connected to things that take us away from our purpose. We, we get connected to very destructive things often without even knowing it. And so I want to, as we get started today, I want just take a quick inventory in your own life. I know it's hard to be objective about yourself, uh, but I want you to ask the Lord to reveal to you who or what are you most connected to in your life right now? Because this should be something that jumps right to the top. What do you spend a majority of your time doing? What do you spend a majority of your time prioritizing? What are you filling yourself up with more than anything else right now? Ask, ask the Lord to help you reveal that truth to you today. And even more specifically in what we're going to be talking about today, I want you to think about how, whatever those connections are, whatever they might be, how do those connections reveal themselves in the relationships that you have with other people? Because remember, whatever we're filling ourselves up with is ultimately coming out in some way, shape, or form. And so how is it manifesting? How is it being revealed in the relationships that we have with one another? That's what we're going to talk about today. But as we continue, uh, we've made our way now, if you've been with us for a while, we started all the way, well, I guess in January, at John chapter 1. We've worked our way now through the Gospel of John. We've made it to John chapter 15. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Uh, this is good. But the, uh, the reality is there's been this shift, starting at the end of chapter 12 and moving into chapter 13. Jesus has ended his public ministry, and now he's talking to a, a small group of people, the disciples. Uh, and what he's telling them over and over again is he's, he's encouraging them, he's bringing them comfort, he's bringing relief to their troubled hearts, because he's been saying some very uh, concerning things. And we'll get into to what he's saying today, starting in, in chapter 15. But before we do that, would you just pray with me as we ask God to come and do what only he can do here amongst us? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. We thank you that you have gathered us in your name. And Lord, we agree with what we just sang. You have overcome and Lord, we're thankful that in you, we have overcome as well, not because we've earned it or deserved it, but because you've done it and you've given it to us. We're so thankful and grateful and we're, we're waiting with great expectation to see what you will do right here in these moments that we have together, because we know that your word does what it says. You have the power to raise the dead to new life. And we ask that you do that in this time we have together right here, right now in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, so like I mentioned, the, the, they've had the Last Supper uh, where Judas is now, he's already gone to betray Jesus. But in, in this middle time, before Jesus is arrested, now the disciples have left the upper room and they're walking to eventually make their way to the garden. But 
on this journey, Jesus continues to teach and teach and teach and make these hugely abundant promises that that reveal the truth about who God is and and who they are and and who God is calling them and desiring them to be. It's not going to be easy, but they're also not going to be left disconnected. Because their concern is, well, we got all the way here. We followed you for three years. And now we get to this point where we're ready for something major to happen. And what you're telling us is going to happen is you're leaving. What are you talking about? And Jesus has assured them. We've talked about this for the last couple of weeks. Jesus has assured them that even though he's going, he's not leaving them abandoned. He said he'll send another advocate, another one, another one like him, but it's different because no longer will it just be one person, flesh and blood, but the the Holy Spirit of God then who comes and is able to make his home in the hearts of those who follow and trust and believe in him. And so we've heard these promises and now we're going to see the continuation of that, of, of how that actually is revealed in the lives, not only of the disciples, but how that connection to Jesus is revealed in our lives as well. So we're going to jump in. We're just going to look at the first eight verses uh, today, starting in uh, John chapter 15, verse one. This is Jesus saying, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, over the last few weeks... We've talked about this this idea that we have a real hard time understanding. And we've talked about this is okay. But when we say, okay, we have one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've said, well, there's not three gods. There's one God in three persons. We we call that in uh, the church world anyway, the, the Trinity. And the significance is that even though Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three persons in the Trinity, they they all are God. They all are are the same essence, one God. They have different roles. They have distinct and unique purposes. And we see that when, when we have the Father who speaks the word, and then we have the word who is spoken, who is the Son, the word of God, Jesus who became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And then we have the Holy Spirit who hears the word, who opens our ears so that we can hear the good news of who Jesus is and then also applies God's word to our heart and comes alongside us as we continue to live in this world that God loves so much as his ambassadors, as his instruments of his grace and mercy. And so today, this this scripture that we're talking about has everything to do with this connection. Because, uh, spoiler alert, we cannot do this without being connected to Jesus. We're going to see this over and over again. Jesus is the true 
vine. And so the promise is that when we believe in him, then we are connected to him. And when we are connected to him, it's not just a one and done type of thing. We oftentimes get this all messed up in our minds. We think, well, I've already done that. I've, I've checked the box. Uh, I, I call myself a Christian. Uh, it looks maybe on the surface like we've connected the way that we're supposed to. But oftentimes we think that's where it ends. It doesn't end there. God wants an ongoing relationship with us. And part of the way we see that relationship revealed in us and through us is in the relationships we have with other people. It's not by our work or our willpower, but it is by the willpower and the work of God working through us. When we are connected to him, this is what happens. This is what Jesus says in verse one. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You see, this direction is important. We've talked about this a few times. The direction is important. It's not us going out and trying to do this in a way that's disconnected from Jesus. It's not us going out and just trying to be a good person and creating fruit that we then hope somehow to staple onto the tree or to staple onto the vine. It doesn't work that way. We don't bring the fruit and say, aha, look at all these amazing things I've done. That, when we do that, we get it twisted up and we turn it upside down. What Jesus is doing here is clarifying the way this works. It's God working in and through us that ultimately produces this spiritual fruit, this spiritual fruitfulness. And so if we, if we look in light of everything that we've talked about over the last few weeks and what we just heard in the scripture that we're looking at today, we can kind of sum it up this way. When we believe and trust the word of God, then we are filled by the spirit of God so that we bear the fruit of God. You see how this, this works in a direction. We're connected by believing and trusting the word of God. Then we are filled by God's Holy Spirit, making good on the promise that he's made to come and live in us in such a way that we then turn around and bear the fruit. That is a promise. It, fruit bearing is a promise that is the result of the relationship that we have with Jesus. It's an ongoing relationship. We don't produce the fruit ourselves. God produces the fruit in and through us. Now, when we talk about all this gardening and vines and fruit and all that kind of stuff, I, I don't know about you, but to me, it feels a little abstract because I don't have the faintest idea how to garden or grow anything. Any, any plant I've ever encountered, I think, is just wilted at my looking at it. I don't know how to take care of that. But maybe you have more experience with that. But th this metaphor, this idea of the vine and the branches and this vineyard and this, this, all this imagery is something that the disciples would have been very familiar with. This is language that they're used to. This is language that they've heard. So even though it might sound unfamiliar to us, to them, they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. At least they thought they did. Because the way Jesus uses this metaphor, the way Jesus uses this imagery is different than what they've experienced before. Because all throughout, in many places, in the Hebrew scriptures or, or what we might call the Old Testament, 
there is this same imagery of the vine or the vineyard and the vine dresser and all of this kind of fruit metaphor that is in there. And it's almost always and exclusively used as a means to condemn the people of Israel for not living the way that God wants them to live, for not keeping up with the commands and the demands that God had for them. They, 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 instead of turning to God and having him be uh, their one and only God, they would continually turn their back on him and, and start looking at other things to be their source of life. And this, of course, infuriated God, as it well should. But even though they're used to hearing this come down as a, as a harsh form of judgment, Jesus does it a little bit different. But just, just to show you that I'm not, I'm not just making this up, we're going to take a look at Isaiah, uh, the prophet Isaiah, uh, accounting or, or writing, recording what God has said. This is in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 4. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? And then we see this again, the same kind of theme in the prophet Jeremiah, his writings, again, recording what God has said. Jeremiah uh, chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? Although you wash yourself with soap and use an abundance of cleansing powder, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the sovereign Lord. Now, I'm not sure if you caught it, but when we read the scripture for today, even though a lot of those similar elements, a lot of those similar images are contained in what Jesus is saying, he's doing it in a completely different way. Instead of him saying, you just continually don't measure up, you better get your act together, Jesus is entering the metaphor himself. In other words, God himself is entering the metaphor and saying, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. The only way to live the life that God truly desires for you and for us is to be connected to the vine. So again, God hasn't left us to figure this out for ourselves. God has come to us and invited us into relationship with him. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, at the core of God's being is connection. It's relationship. And through Jesus, he's made it possible to invite us into that same kind of connection. But are we connected to him? Are we connected to the true vine or are we connected to something else? Jesus uses this imagery then not as a means of condemnation, but actually as a way to encourage the disciples to continue these promises that he's been making, saying you're, you're not going to be left on your own. You're not going to be left orphaned. The advocate will come. The Holy Spirit will come who will walk alongside you and will also live in you and work through you to make sure that you are connected to the true vine. But that connection is only possible when we have once and for all, been cleansed from the sin that we all have. We all fall short of God's glory. I know we live in a culture, I know we live in a world that tells you that's not possible. And yet, here we have this uncomfortable truth that God continues to reveal to us, letting us know over and over again, there is definitely something 
called sin. There's definitely all different kinds of ways that we turn our back on God and try to go our own way and do it our own way. And so until that gets made right, we are destined to be disconnected permanently until that sin problem is. Remember, Jeremiah said, there is no amount of soap or cleansing powder that you can use to scrub yourself and make yourself clean before a sovereign God. Well, then how do we overcome that? We just sang about how Jesus has overcome, but what does that mean for us? Well, when we are connected to him, when we are connected to the true vine, then our sin is forgiven. We are made clean, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. That's what he has promised the disciples in this. When he's saying, I'm going away, what he's meaning by that is that he's going away to take the dirt and the sin and the shame and the guilt and the condemnation and even death itself all upon himself, where he eventually was arrested, brutally beaten, tortured, hung on a Roman cross where he died. And in so doing, he took our sin from us and cleansed us once and for all. Not through our effort, but through shedding his holy and precious and innocent blood for us. That's what he's promising to the disciples that will happen. And that's what has now already happened, not only for them, but for you and for me. Will we connect with him? Will he be the primary connection that we have? Because we're already clean, not by our effort, but by the declaration of Jesus. That's what he says in uh, verse three. You are already clean because of all the great things that you've done and how you've gone about living your life and being a good person. Because of the word I have spoken to you. We are clean because of his promise. And that promise has now been sealed through his resurrection and his life and the way that he enters into our lives and invites us to be connected to the true vine. And so we could say it this way. This new life, this this spiritual fruitfulness, the fruit of the spirit is produced only when we're connected to Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is produced only when we're connected to Christ. We can't do this on our own. We've got to be connected to him more than anything else. We have got to be connected to the true vine. But oftentimes we're not. Oftentimes we're connected to lots of things, lots of opportunities. Lots of things that will ultimately end in complete and total disappointment and destruction. And all the while, it will continue to assure us that everything is A-OK. But we know deep down inside that it's not OK. But Jesus still comes to us and says, connect with me and let me work not only on you and in you, but also work through you so that you will be my witnesses. Will, will we be willing to do that? Because if we're not, we start to see what happens here. There's this whole idea of remaining in me. In, in verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So it's this connection to Jesus that makes spiritual fruit bearing possible. That's the way this happens. Our connection to Jesus makes fruit bearing possible. And this is a very personal and intimate thing. Remember the promise that Jesus made all the way back at the beginning of of chapter 14 was that he was going away. Yes, but that he was preparing a place for us. And then we heard the follow-up promise, which is, is even more amazing, is that God himself is coming to make his home in us. So we've been grafted in. We've been included in the family, not by our effort, but by God's word who has cleansed us and made us connected to the true vine. Do we recognize that? Do we live in the light of that truth? And this, all this language about remain in me and I in you, and it, it sounds like, well, are we talking about like a circular? Well, I, just, I don't understand. Yes, it's messy and that's okay. We don't have to have all of that figured out. The most important thing we need to remember is that our connection to Jesus is of paramount importance. And are we keeping ourselves connected? How do, how do we do it then? How do we abide in him? And how does he abide in us? Because it all sounds fine, but, but what does that actually mean in terms of practically doing this? How do, we, how do we get connected? And how do we stay connected to the true vine? Well, when we meditate on his word, when we fill our minds and our hearts with the word that he has given us, the promises that he has made, when we study his word, when we hear his word preached and proclaimed, it's it's not just about information. It's about the fact that, that he has been good to make his promise true in us by sending the power of the spirit who illuminates that truth in us, who applies that truth to us, who makes the promises that God has made real, not just in a general sense, but real and specific to us. It's very, very personal. We we gather in small groups and we encourage one another and we lift one another up with God's word. When we live our lives and they reflect the truth of who God is, then we are his ambassadors. We are living with this grace and truth reflected in us that comes from him. And this whole idea of spiritual fruit, maybe we get a little bit off track because we don't necessarily understand the metaphor entirely. And I think the apostle Paul does a a big favor to us uh, in Galatians. When he's writing to the Galatians, he talks about spiritual fruit in chapter five, verses 22 and 23. Uh, It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, I want you to, to notice that Paul doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. He just says the fruit, singular, the fruit of the Spirit. And the very first thing in that list is love. We've talked about love for the last couple of weeks now. What does it mean to love one another as Jesus has loved us? Well, all the things that come on Paul's list after the word love are just different dimensions, different characteristics, different attributes of this all-encompassing love that God has for us. 
And so he, he lives that out in us when we are connected to him in all of those different ways and many more. But it's all in love. They're all different dimensions of what it means to love one another. And so we could say that the, the fruit of the spirit is the character of Jesus being lived out in and through us. The fruit of the spirit is the character of Jesus being lived out in Welcome. <laughs> All right. We're back. <laughs> Again, this is not a fake it till you make it type situation. It's not one of these things where we can go out and do it ourselves, pick up a big basket, maybe like we do at the apple orchard, get our own fruit, put it in our own bucket, and then say, God, you really should be proud of me. You should be so thankful that you have me. No, it's the other way around. It's God working in and through us. And the fruit of that relationship we have with Jesus shows up in the character of Jesus that is reflected in us. And we're, we don't try to be more patient. We are patient. We don't try to, to, you know, live our lives with more kindness. We are kind. We don't try to be more, you know, self-controlled. We have self-control because it's no, as Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The character of Jesus is possible in and through us when we are connected to him. But what about if we're not connected to him? What about if we say, well, I've heard all that. I really rather think I could do a good enough job on my own. Well, take a look at verse six. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. We're connected to Jesus when we believe and trust him, and then this spiritual fruit is produced in us. That much we've got established here. But when we try to do it on our own and we turn our back on God, then we are cut off. And he says, the consequences of this are not something that you're going to like. Because being connected to God means that eternal life, the promises of all that God has made to us, they start, all of that begins now. It's not some far off distant future. It's not just after we die. That new life begins in us now and continues through this connection and this relationship with Jesus. The, the old, like Kristen said earlier, the old has passed, or Matt said earlier, the old has passed away and the new has come into being through this connection, through our connection with Jesus. And so when we turn our back on that, that is hell to be disconnected from God forever is the very definition of what hell is like to be permanently separated from this God who so desperately wants to be connected to us. Are, are you making room in your life to be connected? What in your life needs to go? What do you, I mean, because when we're talking about God making his home in you, he's not interested in moving into like your closet. He's not interested in moving under the kitchen cabinets or something like that, under the sink. He's not interested in your shed in the backyard or anything like that. He's interested in moving into your entire life, into your whole heart. 
so that it is not us living, trying to imitate him, but it's him actually living in us and working through us so that we exhibit his character to a world that he continues to draw to himself. But then there's this interesting piece that we had all the way back in the second part of verse two, and we kind of skimmed by it here. And so I want to go back and take a look at that for just a moment. It says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Interesting. So when we're talking about this, you'll see that there's no way to avoid the pruning shears. We're either cut off because we've turned our back on Jesus and said, no thanks. And then it's like we gather up the withered branches and they're burned in the fire. That doesn't sound like a very good option. But then what are we talking about here? If I have this connection, if I am connected and I am believing and I'm trusting and I'm following Jesus, what in the world is he talking about this pruning? I don't want that. That's the way God does it. Believe me, that's the way God does it. I don't know how he's doing it in your life or, or what your particular, how he's working in your life to bring about his character in you. I know for me, the Lord has worked, the Lord has worked a lot on me in the Starbucks drive-thru. <laughs> okay, so my, just uh, full disclosure, my, my issue a lot of times is uh, patience. Okay, and so there is no... There's no other place that I know of on a regular basis that pushes me to the edge of patience than the Starbucks drive-thru. Now, there's a lot of things going on in there, right? You got all these cars that are in line and you got everybody they're on the, connected to the internet. On, in the, they're not paying any attention. And the next thing you know, you could park a semi-truck in front of their car to the next car in front of them. And you, you know, I don't want to be one of those people, honk on the horns. I just kind of try to manage, you know, okay, okay. But let me tell you this much. When you ask God for patience, turns out he will give you the opportunity to be patient. <laughs> and this has happened to me over and over and over again. Because I think when we think, when we see this scripture, like ask God for anything you want, he's going to give it to you. I think sometimes we think of, oh, well, I'd really like a Ferrari or something like that. You know, that, that's, that's, not what's, that's not what's going on here. God is not telling you ask for those kinds of things. God is telling you ask to be made fruitful. Ask God to make you fruitful, to bear the character of Jesus in your life. And so for me, if I say, God, make me patient like you are patient, well, he gives me the opportunity to do it over and over again. And one day in particular, we had the trifecta because we had the, probably a, a line of you know, 25, 30 cars. Okay, that's already, and then uh, everybody's on their phone, so nobody's pulling up. And then you've got you know, people at the window, they don't have any of the money ready. They're trying to, it's like the first time they've ever been to a drive-thru. You got people at the menu. They're like, well, I've never been here before. What's good? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I'm having an internal breakdown. Okay. And I get up. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this much. I can even get with, with over a 90% accuracy. I can tell you who is working the drive-thru window based on how fast the line is moving. Okay. onto that level. All right. 
So I knew this day, oh yeah, and I'm not going to tell you her name. We'll just call her Cindy. I knew this got to be Cindy working today. Got to be her. And I get up there and sure enough, it's Cindy. There she is. And she looks at and just kind as can be. Well, how are you doing today? <laughs> Great. And then the next question is, what are you up to today? <laughs> On my way to work? Oh, where do you work? <laughs> Grace Church in Roseville? Oh, that's fascinating. That's wonderful. What do you do there? <laughs> well, I, I'm one of the pastors there. Boy, I can tell you right now, those words were so painful coming out of my mouth because it was so convicting in that moment that God needs to prune the entitlement out of me to make room for his patience. I can't be, we have this idea that if I pray for God to make me patient, we think that what that means is when we show up in the Starbucks line and there's 50 cars in line, that we just say, yes, oh, oh, look how many people are here. This is awesome. Oh, look, it's taking forever. That's so great. I, I mean, I got nothing to do all day, but sit here. But that's not the way God does it. God prunes the entitlement out of us and gives us instead his character. And so we don't try to be patient. We are patient when he is living in and through us. Pruning is painful, but it's part of producing more fruit. That's the truth. It's, it's painful, but it's part of producing more fruit because God is growing us into who he desires us to be. Are we connected to the true vine? You want kindness? You will have opportunities to be kind. You want gentleness? You will have opportunities to be gentle. You want to be self-controlled? You will have a lot of opportunities to be self-controlled. But what about joy? If you ask God for joy, a lot of times in our lives, we don't feel like being very joyful, do we? We've got struggles. We've got challenges. We've got one mess after another. All of us, at one point or another, face some kind of trouble, some kind of unbelievable situation where we just wonder, I don't see, I can't see any way through this. And if we're praying for, for joy, then God, even in the midst of those circumstances, no matter what they are, no matter what we face, gives us the opportunity to rejoice, even in our sadness, even in our weakness, even when things aren't going our way. We have the opportunity to rejoice. We might hear all that and say, well, I would rather just have it a different way. But I want us to know that this pruning is because God loves us, just like a gardener prunes the branches to be more fruitful. God prunes us, not as a means of punishment, but as a means of growing us into who he created us to be. And so the more spiritual fruit we bear, the more connected we are, the more we should expect to be pruned so that we will be even more fruitful. And it's not just for our benefit. Sometimes I know we like to make it all about us, but it's not just about me becoming who God wants me to be. God wants me to be 
in relationship and connected to him, not just for my benefit, but for the benefit of all people that I come into contact with so that his character is on display, so that his glory is revealed. Not me. I don't get the glory. God gets the glory. This is what Jesus says in verse eight. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is a promise. When we are connected to Jesus, connected to the true vine, we will bear fruit. And that is true even when we don't think it's true, even when it doesn't seem like it's true, even when it doesn't feel like it's true, God bears fruit through us. Oftentimes it's completely hidden from us. We have no idea. Why is that? Well, it's because God is working in and through us. And honestly, if we knew about all the things God was doing in and through us, we would be first in line to try to take credit for it, wouldn't we? How quickly do we go from, man, that's an amazing thing God did to, yeah, I was pretty good myself. But that's not the idea of connection that God has in mind for us. It's a promise that he will be fruitful. We could say it this way, God demonstrates his faithfulness through our fruitfulness. He demonstrates his faithfulness through our fruitfulness. In other words, it's his desire to make us spiritually fruitful so that we are his witnesses. We are his ambassadors. We are his instruments of his abundant grace and mercy. And we go out there and we, we are a living testimony then of who Jesus is in this world that God loves so much. So are you connected to the true vine. Maybe today is the day where, where you feel this, this sense that God is calling out to you and God is asking you to be connected to him. If that's you today, and this is the first time you've ever even considered such a thing, don't leave here without talking to somebody about that. At the end of the service, on my right, your left, we have a care station over here. and People are there to pray with you and to talk with you and to help you understand, well, what does it really mean to get connected to Jesus in this way? What does it mean to, to recognize and receive Jesus as the true vine? Or maybe today is the day you need to be reconnected. Maybe you've kind of turned your back and wandered off, tried to do things your own way. You've been overwhelmed and distracted and you're giving all of your time, effort and energy to something other than Jesus. The reality is that like I mentioned, when, when Jesus is moving in, other things have to move out. When Jesus moves in, what in your life needs to move out? What needs to move out so that you can be better and more connected to him than ever before? Our connection to him is what produces the spiritual fruit in our lives. And we know from God's abundant grace and mercy that the harvest is plentiful. Thank God for that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are, how you love us and care for us and provide for us and how you continue to bring truth to us and reveal not only the truth about who you are, but the truth about who we are in you. We thank you that just as you promised, you have not left us orphan. You have not left us to figure it out on our own, but instead you have sent your spirit, your advocate, 
who has come alongside us, yes, but who lives in us and works through us so that we might be molded and shaped into your character so that it's your character that is on display for your glory. We thank you and we praise you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray.